Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. My name is Susan, and I am so glad that you are back with us. Today we are in episode number 14, and we're talking about parent-teacher conferences. Not usually my favorite thing, to be honest with you, even after all these years of teaching. Sometimes I feel very intimidated and maybe a little scared to talk to parents because I'm always afraid they're going to like call me out on something or I'm going to hear a story that their child's not happy in my classroom. I mean, you never know, right? But let's think positive. So my conferences are actually two days away. And so I thought now would be a good time to talk about it and discuss how are you doing parent-teacher conferences right now. So my first tip, and I have six of them today, is that we want to make it simple as possible. We already have a lot of stress on us. Um, some, t- some of us are doing hybrid. We're teaching in person at the same time as we're teaching our distance friends. Or maybe you're just doing in person. Maybe you're just doing distance No matter what it is, it's a crazy time right now to be teaching, and there's just a lot to deal with without having to put a lot of planning and time into your parent-teacher conferences. Last year, I did student-led conferences, which are great, and I do make them pretty simple, but you need about a week to prepare them. And with my conferences coming up in just a couple of days, which, by the way, we didn't know we had conferences until maybe two weeks ago. (laughs) Um, It's been a little quick to try to pull together with everything else that's going on. We just two weeks ago switched to hybrid. So we're trying to adjust to having in-person and distance at the same time. And we also found out about a week ago, maybe, that our school are going five days a week right after spring break, which is in another two weeks. So we have all that going on. We haven't been giving schedules. We know the rosters are changing. And then it's surprise, let's do parent-teacher conferences. Last year, I did student-led conferences. And if you have time to do it and you want to do student-led conferences, that's amazing. I applaud you for that. I do not have the sanity or the time this year. But here's what I did last year. So for student-led conferences last year, I made sure that I had a current one minute fluency reading and then I had a cute little graph so I was very consistent last year with testing students weekly and having them graph their data on a chart that I had given them and so I photocopied that and provided that at conferences for the parents to look at and take home and can see the range of how you know even 
when they're consistently practicing, sometimes their scores fluctuate. It's not always consistently up, up, up. Sometimes they fall down and then they go up again. It just depends on what passage they're reading. Especially we were using AimsWeb last year, and the difficulty between the passages on any given week ranged quite significantly. So you did not see that nice growth graph. So I had that. And then I also had a little schedule set out. So I gave them like, first is the center, then it's the center. So first they they shared with their families the favorite activities that they had put in their folder. So they picked like their favorite thing that they wanted to talk about, maybe a favorite writing, a favorite math worksheet, whatever it was, that was something that they were very proud of that they wanted to show off. So we started off our conference with that. And then we had a big project on biomes that we had done. So everyone shared their report for that. They read it to their families. And trying to remember, it's been a little while. It's been almost, well, it's been longer than a year now (laughs) since I did that student-led conference. And so, okay, so biome report, they shared their fluency graph. I shared their sight words, like how many sight words they've been reading, what level they were at. And I went back through the sight word spelling program, which I actually talked about in a different episode about teaching sight words virtually. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I strongly recommend it. I share with you my process of how I do sight words in the classroom. Even in an in-person classroom, I still have a very digital component to it where kids are self-paced taking their sight word tests and they're on their uh, differentiated levels throughout the entire classroom. And I found a really easy way to manage that. I share with them the sight word process. If they're not returning the notes home, if it's been too long since they've had a test, I share with families that because I don't do traditional spelling tests. I prefer to test on sight words. And then we just talked about strengths and and weaknesses. Oh, I had kids make a personal goal. So Um, they had a writing goal. So I have these posters in my room that are writing goal posters, which someday, hopefully, that I will have posted in my Teachers Pay Teachers shop. But I have these really cute posters. And so the kids picked out one of the writing goals and then they signed their name to it. And so at conferences, I shared with their families, this is what your child and I agreed that they would be working on for their writing goal. Things This is a second grade classroom, but it ranges from working on putting end punctuation in their sentences, spacing between the words, starting with a capital, or some of them were just adding more details. So it really depends on where the child is at with their writing, but we set a writing goal. And then we talked about the importance of doing flashcards. So that was my student-led conference. We Very similar to a normal conference, except I start off with having the child share they're presenting their graph, they're talking about their sight words. So it's more focused on them sharing versus me just telling the parents. This year I'm making it super simple because it is still being done online as a meeting and we only have 15 minutes per family. (laughs) So I've decided I'm gonna just very quickly start with their strengths, reiterate my expectations, provide the state testing data that we did in, gosh, I don't even remember when it was now. Everything's such a jumbled mess this year. But whenever we did the state testing, 
I'm going to go back over and just provide them the data. I know the test data is super skewed, so I don't spend a lot of time on that. I simply give them the report that compares the beginning of the year to the spring data. And I say, okay, here's where they fell. You're welcome to look at it more in detail. Literally spend maybe two minutes on pulling up the graph and sharing it with the families. And then I move on. <laughs> okay, so my first tip was make it very simple. Don't spend a lot of time on it. Don't spend a lot of planning time on it. To schedule it, I use Sign Up Genius. I do have a blog post on that. It is a very simple, easy to use, free website, my favorite kind, that you simply say, this is the date I have the conference, I want 15 minute time slots, and within a couple of minutes, you have your schedule up and you can send the link to families. I send it through Class Dojo, and they click on the link, they look for an open time, they sign up. So you're not having parents give you back all these slips of paper. This is my first choice. This is my second choice. You're not spending all that time sorting through it, trying to find siblings. It takes all that guesswork out of it for you. You simply have the parents sign in, log in, and then they just have to remember when their conferences are for siblings and schedule around it. Very, very simple way to schedule your conferences without having to I don't know, pretend like you work at a doctor's office and squeeze people in somewhere. Okay. My second tip is always start with positives. So we're going to start off the conference with talking about their child's strengths. So whether it's a strength in how they are responding to questions, whether they're very strong in one subject, if I see that they like to color and draw, I mean, it could be anything. Parents like to hear a positive note first. Even if they're your worst student, they're really badly behaved. You really want to dig deep and try to find something that you want to start off with that can be very positive because that's going to set the tone for your meeting. So you always, 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 no matter if it's a phone call, text message, email, you always want to try to start with that positive step first when you reach out to a parent. Next is to provide that test data like I was talking about. So we did the state testing, and so I'm just simply sending the PDF with the graphing comparison of their growth of fall to spring. And I'm just going to put that up on my screen sharing and show the parents. I've also emailed them the copy so they can look at it more in detail and very, very quickly say, here's where they were in fall, Here's what they did in spring and move on. Okay, next is to reiterate the expectations for being in my class. This one's a little bit hard just because we are switching gears and going to five days in person. And if they are distance, they'll have just distance and a distance teacher. If they're in person, they will have just an in-person teacher like a normal school year, right? <laughs> Not the distance part, but the in-person part. So teachers are changing. We can't tell them their teacher yet. We don't even know which teacher's been assigned to be the distance teacher. So there's going to be one out of us five second grade teachers on our team that will be the distance teacher. And so the expectations will start to change a little bit. But until we know that teacher, 
we don't really know what to tell parents. So I'm just going to simply say, you know, the expectation is that they log in for the live meets. They attend the reading, writing, math lessons live each day. And then the asynchronous work is there working on their phonics, their grammar, their social studies, their health on alternating weeks. And that gives them six assignments to do a day. So when we finish math, usually there's a math workbook page to practice and follow up with. When we finish reading, they're just finishing the reading worksheet that we already started in class. And then writing, usually there's a small writing assignment that I have them do. Like today, it was making a list. So things that they can do easily in the, what, five hours that they have (laughs) to work on their asynchronous work. So just going back over those expectations and also the expectations for the parents. I'm noticing a lot more parents are not communicating if students are absent. They need to be returning notes to excuse attendance. I'm not seeing that. And also I'm not seeing parents checking that Dojo app regularly. So some parents have gone months without looking at the app and then I have no way to communicate with them because they're not responding when I email or, or phone call either. So trying to put that in a nice, fairly positive way, not, oh, well, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, but saying it in a nice tone, just, oh, I'm telling all of my families, it's important to check class dojo every day, it's important that your child completes these six assignments whenever they don't complete those assignments, and the next day they have 12, and it just keeps piling on. So I kind of do it in those terms so that the parents don't feel like I'm attacking them personally. It's just kind of a broad, this is just how I'm expecting our classroom to run and this is what's happening. And also I wanted to let parents know that starting in April when we're switching over to the five day versus the two day that we have now, I wanted to tell them that I will be wiping out the current class dojo points because I wanna start fresh with earning rewards to just Keep them engaged for those last two months of school. Which brings me to number five, that there's only two months left of school. (laughs) So (laughs) this is the time where I'm going to tell parents, you know, this is the push before they be going into third grade. Here's what I've noticed. If your child was in person in the last, you know, not even two weeks now, here's the things that I've noticed while I've had them in my classroom. And some of those kids have only shown up like one out of the two days, or maybe they missed an entire week. So I've seen them literally one time, but that's okay. That's what happens, right? This year, that's just what happens. So two months left, I'm going to talk about what is the primary focus for the rest of the year. Maybe that student needs to be focusing on sight words. So here's their list of sight words. I recommend that they practice them daily learn them inside and out, spelling, reading, all of that good stuff. Or maybe it's that they need to work on their fluency. So here's some passages that you can have your child read. They're going to read the same passage all week. They're going to spend one minute being timed to read the passage and emphasize it's about comprehension, not necessarily speed. But the quicker we read, the more we read retain when we comprehend. Or maybe their student is struggling or their child is struggling in math. So I'm going to suggest that they practice addition and subtraction math facts up to 20. And I'm going to provide them maybe a link 
of some free flashcards that I've seen online. So I want to make sure that I'm making it as easy as possible for parents by supplying them with the tools that they need that I'm recommending that their child should be doing for practice. So for sight words, for example, I have a parent guide for sight words. You can find it in my TPT store, and it's very tried and true hands-on things that parents can find at the house or buy very cheaply at the store, such as Play-Doh. And it just walks them through different ways that their child can be practicing these sight words, spelling them, and reading them at home. I also have a parent guide for all the grades, kindergarten through third grade. And I usually pass out the, of course I'm teaching second, so I pass out the second grade guide. And it just walks through, here's what your child should need to know in order to be ready for the next grade. So it's written as if... Here they are transitioning into going to the next grade. What do they need to know during this school year and what should they have already mastered to go to the third grade? So I pass that out. And then, like I said, I'll find some math facts. There's a lot of great free PDFs that um, I think there's some on Teachers by Teachers. There's some on other different websites. And I'll just find one that I like that focuses primarily on those within 20 that are in our standards, and I will send those as a follow-up email to families. And then last is hopefully I'll have some time. I usually have a couple minutes of wiggle room where I end my conference asking parents if they have any questions or concerns that they want me to address. So I do do, I do do, (laughs) I do go through those first few steps pretty quickly so this, this starting with the strengths, the talk about my expectations, giving the test data, and then what is the primary focus for their child. I go through those pretty quick, and then I try to allow at least five minutes of or 15 for parents to address any comments or, or concerns that they might have, and that's when I'll address them. And if we don't have enough time to address them, and I got another conference coming, breathing down my, my neck, I'll say, you know, I'm so sorry, but we are out of time for today. I do have another appointment. I'm happy to call you and schedule a follow-up in the future. And then maybe we'll pick another day. Or if I have an opening for later that day where there's no conference scheduled, then I can say, you know, if you can come back at this time, we can have another, you know, conference to discuss it. But I've never had that happen, to be honest with you. Most parents, it's if it's a concern, it's something I've touched on with talking about like the sight words or the flashcards. So it's not usually something that we need to have a second conference for. So hopefully that's been very helpful. And I would love to hear how your parent-teacher conferences go or what you do a little bit differently. If you want to go ahead and leave me any comments on my blog, it's always sharedteaching.com forward slash podcast. And then you can look for this episode number 14 and leave a comment there. I would love to hear from you. And also, if you have any ideas for any future episodes, please make sure you reach out to me. There is a Google form also on that same website page where you can put any ideas you have for future podcast episodes that you really want to hear me talk about. And hopefully I will see you next week when you tune in again. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching. Hitting that subscribe button.
and leaving us a review on iTunes so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. You know, okay. Um, if your person was so, that's my, you know.